Little M Knife, a podcast of the cinema, hosted by Dave White and Alonzo Duralde. That's us. Um, you're you're Alonzo. Yeah, you're Dave, and uh, we both write for the Rap, and I host other podcasts, and we are married to each other, and it's coming on Christmas. It is, in fact, December twentieth, and we leave town tomorrow morning. Bright and early mm-hmm. for two weeks. This will be the last linoleum knife of 2022. We will return on January 4th. Uh, well, we'll return from Atlanta on yeah. January 4th. The show will return when we say. When, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, last week was our 600th episode. Yeah. Is it right for us to call this number 601? Or do we call it number 600 and a half? And a half. I mean, it's kind of a mini-sode, I suppose. This is, uh, if you have been listening to Linoleum Dive for the past 12 years, early on uh, in our first year, we rarely hit an hour. Yeah, when we started, you you had this notion that people wouldn't listen past 20 minutes. I had an idea back in my head that, that back then that... that no one wanted more than 30 minutes of something. And because that's what I'm like. Yes, but you don't have a commute and yeah. you don't have an office job where you can listen to things on your earbuds while, you know, sitting in your sitting in a, in a, at your computer for hours at a time. Yeah. So we started going longer. We went longer. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, I'm so stressed out about <laughs> travel and yes. I've worn myself out with packing and prepping this apartment for house sitters who are coming and generally working yourself into a lather getting the Patreon shows out mm-hmm. and accomplished and making them sort of longer episodes than normal. We're covering two movies <laughs> today. Two. And you've only seen one of them. And I've seen one of them. <laughs> I have a good reason for only having seen one of them. So yeah, this is a little episode-let sure. of Linoleum Knife. Technically, it is episode 601, but it's going to be very short. Yes. Uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you will hear all the other shows at longer yes. uh, durations. And an episode of Linoleum Knife presents more Linoleum Knife as well. We just did Billy Wilder's 1960 uh, film, The Apartment. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber, <laughs> what a great time to become one. Yes, what a great time. The most wonderful time of the year <laughs> to be a Patreon subscriber. That's right. I um, have not seen Avatar, the way, the way of Water. Of Water. If you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I am currently dealing with something that prohibits me from sitting in theater seats for really, really long periods of time. I can handle a movie. I can even handle a movie that's a little over two hours. 
I can do that. Given the right theater. Sure. Given the right screening room. Bilateral hip arthritis. I'm due for a replacement surgery at the beginning of the year. Sometime in the beginning of the year. Don't know when exactly, but not today. New. And not in time for Avatar The Way of Water, which clocks in at uh, almost Titanic length. Titanic uh, was... 3.15. Three hours and what, 15, 3.20? It was 3.15, and I always remember this, because Paramount, in their worry that people would think it was too long, would actually at one point post the time as two hours and 75 minutes. <laughs> nice. Which is trickery. Avatar The Way of Water is three hours and 12 minutes. Three hours and 12. I can't, I can't do it. No can do it. Yeah. I feel bad about that. Um, because I know that this is meant to be a theatrical experience. A theatrical experience. Uh, my understanding is that you're 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 going to hate it <laughs> on your TV, <laughs> on your Blu-ray, or whatever it is when you finally uh, see it at home. Guess what? That's how I'm seeing it. I didn't like it all that much in the theater. I'm seeing it at home, and I will watch it. Yeah, because you know it's my. I mean, it's kind of my job to. To see most of the big <laughs> movies when I feel like it. <laughs> we all appreciate your commitment, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> you know, show me the person out there who's wringing their hands over the fact that they can't get to they can't get out to a their local art house to watch EO. That's about how much I should apologize for not seeing Avatar. I will see it. Just not in the theater. Sure. Not right now. Because there's like 30 minutes of trailers. Then Miss Nicole comes in and tells you <laughs> how great it is that you're in the movie theater. Then you have a three hour and 15 minute movie after that? Yeah. That's four hours basically Pretty in much. the theater. Yeah. Can't do it. That's a lot of living. That's a lot of sitting. Yeah. A lot of hip aggravation or as my doctor called it last week you have a lot of debris in there and I was like what's that and she goes old candy wrappers yeah <laughs> cigar butts she said this just as she was injecting me with cortisone into both hips mm. like yes yeah, uh, your x-ray shows a lot of debris and I was like I don't understand that please explain that to me she didn't. <laughs> she just shot me up with the cortisone and said, have a good trip. An old shoe. Yeah. License plate. It's like when you cut the shark open <laughs> and jaws and all the license plates come out. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, you did see Avatar. The I Way did of see Water. Avatar The Way of Water. How did you see it? Under what circumstances did you see it? What theater in Los Angeles did you see it in? So there were press screenings in various locations, and I chose to see it at the AMC Burbank 16 because... Merry Christmas, confusing Burbank AMC 16 <laughs> parking lot. 
I stole that from Twitter. The the AMC Burbank 16. Americana memes. Of course. That's the best one Americana they've ever memes. done. Best one they've ever done. Um, yeah. They have, I, don't quote me on this because I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the Burbank AMC IMAX is legit IMAX. I have seen a movie in that theater, and I am under I'm of the understanding that it too is a real IMAX, as opposed to like screen. other AMC IMAXs, like the one at Century City, which is what they call LIMAX, because IMAX basically licensed AMC the the uh, the, the name and the the screen size and stuff, and allowed AMC to create smaller screens that were still larger than regular AMC screens and called them IMAX. Okay. But I went to Burbank. I don't have any problem with this at all. I, you're not a big fan of these formats anyway. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought, I'll see it in Burbank because they, they have a pretty great IMAX screen. And my history with Avatar is that I fall in the camp of... You dated for a while. Yeah. It just didn't, you know... We stopped returning each other's texts. Right. No. My yeah. history with Avatar is that I... I, I Loved the act of seeing it. I, I remember going to that screening and just being feeling enveloped and almost having to like remind myself sometimes. Oh, I am sitting here. It's with, only a movie with glasses it's on. Only a movie. Watching a movie. No, I mean it was it was one of the more immersive film experiences I've ever had. Right. That said, it's a dumb movie and terribly written <laughs> in the way that many James Cameron movies are. But I, I, I take nothing away from the actual sort of immersive experience. And in fact, I went to see it again this year. Yeah, you did. When it came back for a week. Yep. Because I, I, I saw it one time when it opened. I've had to see it for podcasts subsequently on like Netflix. But I was like, you know what? If I could see it in a theater again, that would be awesome. And it was. And so, you know, even as recently as a few months ago, I was like, yes, Avatar in the theater. I'm here for it. You know, all the other problems with the movie, sure, whatever, but the, 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 the act of watching it is incredible. So I was psyched to see this in a big, nice theater. I was psyched for you because it meant you were going to be out of the house for four and a half hours. <laughs> so I like a little piece of quiet. Almost, and, and again, everything I'm about to say is my experience. So yes. maybe I'm old, maybe my eyes are, are, aren't working right, maybe my glasses didn't interact with the other glasses. This was my experience. Oh, uh, do you have to put the 3D glasses on? To oh, yes, Over you your do. regular glasses? Yes, and, I uh, do. Okay. So, almost immediately, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, every anytime there's sort of like, you know, where there's multiple planes. So, like, say there's a tree in the, towards the front of the shot. And then, like, someone is standing a little bit behind that. And then behind them is a rock. And behind that is a horizon. A rock. A river. A tree. <laughs> exactly. It all like mushed look, together. Look it up. Yes. <laughs> it all mushed together into kind of one weird flat thing. And then sometimes like an object that was supposed to be solid, like somebody's arm looked translucent because like things behind it were all jammed up. So I was like, hmm. oh boy, this is not good. Then we get to the parts and thankfully it wasn't like this all the time, but they come in and out of High frame rates. Uh, talk about that, please. Because High frame rate is the thing that people keep trying. It, it is the fetch that contemporary filmmakers keep trying to make happen. Peter Jackson did it in the Hobbit movies. 
Um, and then again, uh, Ang Lee did it. Ang Lee did it in Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk and, and Gemini Man. And I had to leave. You had to walk out of Billy Lynn because it was so, yes, exactly. It is, the idea is that it is so crisp and realistic. And on one level, yes, it is. But it is to an extent that it makes it look like somebody's cheap phone footage. Like it would when it would switch from high frame rate and go back into the movie... It reminded me of... Have you ever watched Entertainment Tonight? Hang on, please. When it switched from high frame rate and went back into the movie, can you... What are you talking okay. about? The movies... The, the Billy Lynn and the other movies, the whole movie, start to finish, was high frame rate. Yes. This movie has high frame rate moments. What? Yeah. Like, he's worked out the technology... For where, a narrative reason? Uh, uh, for like action sequences and stuff. Okay. But then it goes back to looking like the way it looked before. All right. It reminded me of, you ever watched like Entertainment Tonight where... Every day. Of course. Of course. There, where, where they would be like doing a set visit and they would show, you know, like, oh, it was the filming of the big, you know, cattle stampede or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then they'll cut to the actual movie, like the finished version of what that cattle stampede looks like. Yeah. That's what this movie looks like. When it goes into high frame rate, it's like suddenly it's E.T. on the set. And then it goes back to the actual movie. Uh, so that happens quite often. And I found it really irritating. But I'm the first to admit that high frame rate may be one of those things that the kids get used to early in, you know, their high def and their all that kind of stuff. And it will look normal to them. Is this a gaming thing? Maybe. I've heard people compare this to a video game and not in a positive way, but I don't game enough to is, know that Is that the like. aesthetic of Kind of. It, it looks most like games. It, uh, that's my understanding from people who've made the comparison. Again, okay. I don't play a lot of games. All right. It, you know, I've also heard it compared to motion smoothing, which I think is a fair comparison. Which I have seen. Yes, which yeah. is dreadful. Um, so anyway, I didn't like looking at this avatar. And then on top of it, I did not care about the story at all because it's... What is the story? <sighs> Who's in it? <laughs> well, they bring back... This is how little I know about they bring They on. bring back most of the leads from the first one. So Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver all right. died in the first one, but she's been... She, somehow her character gave birth to a teenage, well, now teenage, Navi and... They're being very vague about that. I suppose that's going to get explained in subsequent sequels because there will be subsequent sequels. Okay. Uh, but Sam Worthington is back. Zoe Saldana is back. Stephen Lang also died in the last movie, but they've like cloned him or put his memories into some other Marine guy who's now in the body of a Navi. So he's our new bad guy. Okay. Uh, and then also uh, uh, Jermaine Clement is in it. All right. And some other folks. Um the the uh, Cliff Curtis is 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 avatared up, and so is Kate Winslet, and so is I forget who else. Anyway, what avatared up? They're, they're Navi. They're not human beings. I understand. Okay. So uh, what happens is that you know the, the the first movie ends with them driving the humans off the planet, but of course the humans come back with a lot of firepower, and they like blow a bunch of stuff up and. Uh, Jake and his his now family. He has like four kids. Okay. Um, they're on the run and they they're sort of like this resistance and they're fighting back against the humans. Uh, but then the uh, they the the humans capture this kid who was like a baby when all the humans left the planet and he couldn't go into cryo sleep. So he's grown up on 
uh, Pandora, and he, you know, he, he 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 acts like he's Navi, even though he's human. Okay. He gets captured. They find out where Jake and his family are hiding, and so they have to go on the run to, to protect everybody else. They wind up at this uh, other whole other village that is uh, seaside. Uh, and so the Navi there are slightly different. The tails are different. They have like webbed feet, blah, blah, blah. And they have to sort of, you know, hide out there. For all the stuff in the first movie about how the Navi were this great peaceful people and uh, they were all interconnected. Yeah. Uh, the sea people are kind of jerks and bullies <laughs> and not nice. And so we get a bunch of conflict between like the teens, uh, Jake's kids, and then the locals who are like, you know, you know, locals only with the surfing, you know. Um, we repeat a lot of the scenes from the first movie instead of, like, teaching, making the big flying creatures tamed and do what they want. Now they do it with swimming creatures, you know. Um, instead of the, there's the big tree, but it's underwater. There's, like, whales, sort of, that they communicate with. But, of course, the humans are trying to kill them because they have this thing in their brain that is, you know, supposed to stop aging. Um and so it just, it all builds up to another big, big fight sometime after about two and a half hours of setting up all this plot. And the big fight at the end is fairly spectacular, but it also feels like you'll recognize moments from Titanic and from Aliens and from other Cameron movies. And by that point, I was so checked out because the visuals weren't bringing me in uh, that I just was not caring about any of it and then also the fact they've announced there's going to be something like five or seven or however many of these movies you know they're not going to wrap anything up my understanding was that there were going to be three of these sequels is that not true uh, i've i've heard a lot of numbers bandied about i don't know but he definitely has a very large world building in mind um, he, he wants there to be a total of like six or seven of them. That's that's my understanding. Okay, but I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care about these characters. I I I salute Cameron for making a movie where it is unabashedly obvious that the bad guys are the military industrial complex. Yes, they're all they're either all in the mil the American military or they are uh, like stripping the resources okay. or both yeah and so it's like okay yes on that front absolutely you know like i i applaud what this movie is is at and and going after mm -hmm. my, my joke after i saw it was this movie is about whales in vietnam uh because like they, right. there's literally a scene where the marine you know in the navi bodies like come to another Navi village near the water, try to get them to tell them where, where Jake is. They refuse to tell them. And so they burn the village down. Okay. It's like, okay, so this is a Vietnam movie. Yeah. And then you have all the stuff with the whales and the whales have this relationship with the water Navi. And then of course they're being knocked off and stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's every sort of thing that right-wing people like to make fun of Jane Fonda about in the 1980s. Of course. Yeah. You know, and I'm on Jane's side, clearly, and I'm on this movie side about what its messaging is. But as a work of fiction, as a narrative, as a piece of entertainment, as a piece of visual entertainment, it didn't really do anything for me. You have made it uh, more difficult for me to uh, get the gumption... <laughs> For watching it. I'm even, sorry. Even on television. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, would I have liked it any better without the frame rate or even if I'd seen it like in 2D? I mean, yeah. maybe. But the the Avatar was the only movie, the first Avatar, is the only movie where I was like, yes, you have to see it in 3D. Actually, not the only one because also Meet the Robinsons. But definitely it was one <laughs> where the 3D that really enhanced the experience. Right, yeah. But this one was just uh, a visual cacophony and... Um, you know, the, the usual sort of not good James Cameron writing. Uh, uh, you, the one thing you might enjoy, though, <laughs> yes. is that the, 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 the head military, like, you know, mean colonizer yes. is played by Edie Falco. You know, I love Edie Falco. And she does a lot of coffee drinking in this movie. It's one of those kind of roles. Great. Listen. I hope we got her a nice summer house. I'll... I'll... You just you just made me enthusiastic again. Okay, good. I love Edie Falco. Yes, who doesn't? Carmela Soprano. <laughs> My spec house. <laughs> um, do you think Alonzo is wrong? Keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want to hear is. An, 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 an endless debate about a movie I can't even watch for who knows how long. It's going to make a million kajillion dollars. Uh, it opened last week. How much has it made? Uh, the, the, they, they said it underperformed. But what does only, that mean? Well, it means like I think it made $450 million in the U.S. and not 500 something like that. Like Wait. It made okay, sorry, or maybe globally. Don't don't quote me in any of those right. numbers. But anyway, event it, it like it didn't make a, a a billion kajillion dollars. It only made a million kajillion dollars. Bummer. It'll be fine. Hit it when they underperform like that. Cameron's not going anywhere. Really makes me worried about cinema, <laughs> the state of theatrical exhibition. <laughs> And the avatars only make one million kajillion. Yes. What's happening? Hey, you know what's made actually uh, pretty decent money for based on what it cost? What's that? Violent Night. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. It drops today on demand. So if you weren't going to theaters uh, or you hadn't gotten around to it, you could rent it uh, from, you know, Amazon, Apple TV, places like oh, that. Oh, they're doing the 20 bucks thing. It's the 20 bucks thing. All right. Universal. You know. All right. Uh, Violent Night stars David Harbour as the actual Santa Claus. Yes. Not bad Santa. Nope. Not fake Santa. The actual Santa Claus. But they spell it S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S. Hooray. For Santa Claus. For Santa Claus. He's the actual Santa Claus, but he is depressed. Yes. And he drinks a lot. He does. And the reason he's depressed and he drinks a lot is because uh, these kids today. Exactly. (laughs) Nobody believes in him anymore. All they want are video games. Yeah. He doesn't get to bring you, like, you know. A wooden hobby horse. Yeah, a little wooden duck that quacks. Like. (laughs) You want a video game, and that is because you are morally bankrupt. I'm not a video game player. I got no nine years old and already corrupted. (laughs) 
Uh, he's just he's bummed out. Yeah, the world's a mess. Nobody believes in him anymore. Thinking about hanging up the hat. He doesn't get to make cool things. He just everybody wants tech yeah. uh, gadgets, and those aren't fun. They don't scream Christmas. No. And you know you want things to scream Christmas <laughs> at the top of their lungs. Uh, so he gets in a sleigh, flies off, and meanwhile, uh, at a rich person's house, there is a man and his, uh, his wife and their little girl who are visiting his mother. His mother is played by Beverly D'Angelo, so she's Christmas movie royalty. Christmas movie royalty, Beverly D'Angelo. And she is incredibly rich. Richy, rich, 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 rich. At the house is his sister, who is played <laughs> by Edie Patterson. If you've watched Righteous Gemstones, you know how funny uh, she is. And her boyfriend, played by Cam Gigandit. Cam Gigandit. Now, I have never seen. Cam Gigantit in a good movie. I've Until now. I've seen him in a lot of movies. Yes. But I've never seen him in a good movie. And I've never seen him act in any other way than I'm mean and I have a gun. Or blankly handsome. Wasn't he in like striptease? No, burlesque. Burlesque. Sorry, burlesque. Yeah, he played like. Christina Aguilera's the guy, dude. I guess the boy in burlesque. I've never seen him play the dumb blonde yeah. before, and didn't know that he had it, and he didn't know that he could. And here he's doing it. He plays a self-involved movie star, dumb movie star, who is the boyfriend of Edie Patterson. So here comes John Leguizamo who is calling himself Mr. Scrooge. He is, uh, you know, a terroristic mercenary uh, thief, thief robber. And they are have already slaughtered the staff in this rich person's mansion. And they take the family hostage. They want the money. If they don't get the money, they're going to start killing people in the family. This movie is rated R. It is hard. Yes. It is solidly rated R. It is a it bone is crunching R. Very, very violent, hence the title. Mm-hmm. It is uh, gory, and the kills are gnarly and Christmassy. Also, they are very Christmassy. <laughs> Santa Claus comes to the house, realizes what's going on. And he gets real diehard about it. He starts chasing down the terrorists. He's going to get them. And the young girl, uh, the little girl who's with her mother and father. Yeah. uh, Played by Leah Brady, uh, who is dynamite in this. uh, Because I think the kid role is always tricky. It is. Uh, But she winds up helping out Santa and like... And the way she helps him out is with her knowledge of Christmas movies. Partially that. Like Home Alone. Yeah. And most importantly, and this is uh, the tonal juxtaposition of the film, that 
usually works and sometimes doesn't, but it's fine. You forgive it. Uh, she helps him with her belief in him. Yeah. He loses. It's very much a Tinkerbell situation. He's he, literally losing his magic ability. He loses his magic because kids aren't believing in him, but she does and he gets his magic. Yeah. I the, the So the fact that you have this like super violent R-rated <laughs> Christmas movie that finds room for a young girl's belief in Santa and doesn't collapse like a house of cards is miraculous to me. Uh, David Harbour is great. Yeah. In this, he finds that perfect spot between, you know, angry, drunk, mean. Yeah. Santa Claus and the Santa Claus he wants to be again. You also learn that he has been alive for over 1,100 years. <laughs> right. And that he was once uh, Nicomund the Red, a bloodthirsty <laughs> Viking warrior. And that is how, that is why he's covered in tattoos. And it's also why he can kick everyone's ass. Yeah. This yeah. isn't like, it's not like Edmund Gwen suddenly like, you know, becomes a, a killing machine. They give you a Santa backstory where it, it makes sense. And, you know, look, St. Nicholas was a bit of a brawler himself. So yes. like it fits. It's you can absolutely make that work in the mythos of this character. Um I had a very good time watching this. I did too. It's not a perfect film. As I said, it 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 shifts gears in weird ways and uh it's 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 jarring and brash in places it might not need to be so much. There is also a moral going on here that I don't know if the film really super commits to because, you know, are they sticking it to the 1% or are they just wishing that nice people had the money? It's, it's hard to tell what the film really thinks about that. Um, this isn't Triangle of Sadness. This no. is This is a movie about, you know, extremely rich people, some of whom are very bad, some of whom are nice and good and deserve to have... Things. The things, you know. Uh, and you know how it all works out. At the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, went in, like, interested but a little hesitant. And by the end of it, I was quite delighted. I, it, it helped that I saw it in a packed, enthusiastic theater, uh, and I, which I think really sort of upped the ante of it. But, yeah, I, I think it's, it's really smart. It's written by the guys who wrote the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. Which uh, offers me nothing. Yeah, really. uh, and directed by the guy who made uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. <laughs> but sometimes, you never know, people just like... Sometimes you never know. Yeah, you dig deep in the stocking and something else comes up. I had a good time. It is, uh, it's fun. Yeah. And if you are uh, a David Harbour fan in that way, <laughs> you get... Uh, What's his name on Stranger Things? Oh, uh, Sheriff Hooper. <laughs> Hooper? Harper? Harper. Sheriff Harper. You get some of that. Yeah, some of his... You uh, know what you're looking for. Some of that Black Widow. You know what you're looking for. You get that. That and Russian prison Black Widow. If you are... Um, yeah. Oh, what I'm trying to say is if you're horny, <laughs> they got your back. 
look, if if, yeah. if you are gathered around and it's a you know the kids have gone to bed and you're looking for something kind of fun and off the beaten path. If the kids have gone to bed, this is going to be too loud. Well, you'll wake them up. That's still if you're if it if you're with adults and you want to watch something that's Christmassy but that's new and isn't like you know in any way sappy. Right. You'll have a good time with this. I There's think. a little bit of sappiness. A little bit, but just you know, a sousson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're done. We are. Um, thank you all for another great year. We have no letters for you. We have no we'll pay- have, we have no Patreon pitch. You'll get all that in January. Patreon.com slash linoleum knife. <laughs> uh, yeah. I said we didn't, but you just made it Well, happen. that's uh, just it's a URL. It's okay. Not a pitch. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you for another great year. We we are, are thrilled that you are along this uh, for this with us, and uh, we look forward to a very exciting year ahead. I look forward to a long winter's nap. Well, that would be nice. Too. I am I am ground down to the the nub. <laughs> Uh, subscribe to this show for free at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the show. You can also leave positive feedback in the many places that we stream, including uh, Spotify and Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Amazon Music, CastBox, Podbean. Um, thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. You can follow him at blue, B-L-E-U dot bandcamp dot com. Um, you can follow us on the socials at uh, linoleumcast and drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I just posted my top 10 films of the year at The Wrap, but we will, of course, be doing our big uh, year in review episode uh, sometime in mid-January. Ideally with, some, sorry. ideally with some special guests, but, you know, we well, haven't booked them yet, so we'll see. I, I thought you would. I wasn't trying to interrupt your sentence there. I thought you were done explaining a thing. But no. if, um, if this mini episode leaves you feeling uh, cheated. <laughs> you can listen to the Film at 50 podcast. Yes. Which uh, hosted by Brian Rowe. Mm-hmm. He talks about films that are 50 years old. And this month, December 2022, is the 50th anniversary of my favorite childhood film, The Poseidon Adventure. And he had me on... To talk about it. Yes. So we'll have a heck of a you want to go hear me talk about a movie that's 50 years old? Uh, the Film at 50 podcast is it. If you, you want to hear both of us. Hear both of us talk about Christmas movies and baking. We are both on the latest episode of the All Things Cozy podcast, where we talk about uh, the current crop of Christmas movies. And like the one you just heard us talk about, but also about a chestnut pecan cake that mm. I made for the occasion for the podcast itself. Also some uh, apricot raspberry snowflake shaped Linzer window pane cookies uh, that were all a, delicious. They, they were both delicious and I was pretty proud of those cookies because yeah. they came out looking very pretty. They did. Uh, it's the all things cozy podcast right. and we are on that. If you want to hear me talk about Christmas movies, uh, I'm on the recent episodes of Rat Castle 
and The Couch with Mary Carver. What is Rat Castle? Rat Castle, our friend Dave Cobb is on this show. It okay. is a, as they describe it, it's a it's a show about uh, Disney magic without the pixie dust. It's a very theme park oriented podcast, but in a, uh, you know, non-fawning kind of way. In the episode you're on, they're just talking about Christmas films? Uh, we talked about Christmas movies and we also talked about Christmas theme park stuff. Oh, all right. Uh, I'm on the couch with Mary Carver, and this weekend I'm on the Flophouse talking about Santa Claus 3. Okay, wait. Go back. What is the couch with Mary Carver? Uh, Mary Carver is someone that I've gotten to know through the Deck the Hallmark world. All right. And she talks a lot about cozy movies. They review Hallmark movies there. She had me on to talk about classic Christmas movies. I see. I also talk about classic Christmas movies on the Christmas Clatter podcast. My Chris- Christmas Clatter podcast. Yes. Are y'all writing this down? <laughs> You need to. And and then also, uh, I was on Landon DeFever's podcast, which I think is called Films for the Void. Okay. Uh, We had a a fascinating conversation about... you think it's called Films for the Void? It's either Films for the Void or From the Void. I'm looking it up real quick. Why don't you get it right? (laughs) Help him him out by getting the name of his podcast right. Why don't you get off my back for once? No, I won't. Uh, films for the void. Films yes. for the void. Yes, and then also the flop house. And also the flop house. Y'all are talking about. Can you say it already? The, Sa- is it, the Santa is Claus it dropped. Th- the Santa Claus. It drops this weekend. Three. The Santa Claus three. Yeah. So uh, a lot of Alonzo, a little bit of me. Yes. So there's all these options. That'll out there. sustain you until January. I would 4th. like to think so. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, have a wonderful holiday season. Stay safe. Uh, be lovely to each other and to yourselves. And we'll be back in 2023 with a lot more of this. <laughs> <laughs> a, a little less conversation, a, a little a more, more touch my body. <laughs> <laughs> Until then. Goodbye. <laughs>